was the night before Christmas, when all through the house, not a creature was stirring, not even a mouse. The stockings were hung by the chimney with care, in hopes that St. Nicholas soon would be there. This is Brandon Ford, and welcome to the Blind Rage Podcast. I thought I would begin December, as the holidays are upon us, by dusting off a vintage episode of B-Movie Bonanza, in which I recorded a commentary for the classic 1984 cult film, Silent Night, Deadly Night. One of my personal favorites. And as I say in the commentary, one I watch every year, especially around Christmas, because I'm sick like that. This was actually episode 36 of B-Movie Bonanza. And I believe I posted it on Christmas Day, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, 2016 and um, yeah it's one I was like I said I, I listened to some of it I listened to a, a bit of the beginning and it's definitely one of my goofier <laughs> episodes I was uh, feeling a bit silly as is immediately uh, noticeable and I started laughing at my own jokes and um for the life of me, I could not remember the title of the movie, It's a Wonderful Life. I must have been clubbed over the head before I started recording. I would suggest that perhaps I was drunk, but I don't drink, so there's that. But anyway, I hope you enjoy the commentary. I know that... A lot of people didn't get to hear the commentaries that I recorded for B-Movie Bonanza because they were posted exclusively on YouTube and Vimeo, and that is because I had no idea how to record an actual podcast and put it on the proper platforms. So yeah, I just converted audio files to video files. And that was pretty much it. Um, another, well, I was going to say news, but I don't have any. 
moving right along, uh, you know, I know it's probably um, annoying to most people, but I can't start an episode without encouraging you all to check out my books on Amazon.com. They are available in paperback and Kindle format. Just type in Brandon Ford under the book section and a lot of my titles will pop up along with my Amazon author page. If you prefer audiobooks, you could check me out on Audible just by typing in Brandon Ford. I wish there was a way to get an author page on Audible. I'm not sure how to do that because when I type in my name, a bunch of movie, a bunch of books rather, that I have nothing to do with come up. Mm. Oh well. Just make sure that uh, it says Brandon Ford as the author. Uh, anywho, um, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, critiques, opinions, suggestions, feel free to email me at blindragepod81 at gmail.com. That is blindragepod pod81 at gmail.com like i said if you have any suggestions opinions comments i would love to hear them and lastly before we get into the commentary i feel i ought to remind you that each commentary begins with a 10 count uh, which shall begin at the conclusion of this introduction. It is a 3D 10 count, which means there are, are all kinds of special effects. I made this, that's not the first time I made that mistake. Uh, sound effects in the background, it's a uh, very um, intricate, I guess is the word I'm clawing for. And yeah so if you want to watch along i watched the blu-ray edition of the film the uncut version even uh, the blu-ray that i have came with the r-rated i guess it was the theatrical cut and the and the uncut version my question is who in the hell watches the censored version why was that even included? i don't i've never seen the cut version and i have no desire to. Couldn't give a fuck. Um, anyway, so if you want to watch along, make sure you're watching the uncut version on Blu-ray or wherever you stream. Movies, Shutter, Amazon, Pornhub, what have you. And uh, yeah, you can watch along or feel free to just listen because I have the movie audio playing in the background during the commentary so it's not necessary to watch the movie especially if you know it as well as I do anyway um, I guess that's about it so let's get into Silent Night Deadly Night Ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one.
Hi, and Merry Christmas, B-Movie fanatics. This is Brandon Ford of bfmovies.blogspot.com, and welcome to a very, very special Christmas edition of Brandon Ford's B-Movie Bonanza. And we are, of course, watching the cult classic Silent Night, Deadly Night. You know... A lot of people, for Christmas, they watch, um, fucking Miracle on 34th Street, and, um, what's that one movie where the guy tries to kill himself or something? <laughs> I don't even know what it's called. Um, yeah, the, um... Uh, I, I could see him running through the snow saying, Merry Christmas, whatever. And I'm not talking about, uh, uh, the Christmas Carol. The, um, whatever. Um, but yeah, a lot of people have their Christmas movie traditions. Uh, movies that they watch on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Uh, I've always watched Silent Night, Deadly Night. Um... I usually squeeze in a Christmas story, too, because it's uh, played for 24 hours on TBS, so I usually watch it, even though I own the Blu-ray, I, uh, you know, you can't not watch a Christmas story, um, that movie, the name of that movie is gonna fucking bug the shit out of me until it comes to me, and it will eventually, but, yeah, we're watching the Blu-ray edition, uh, which runs 1 hour, 24 minutes, 54 seconds. And uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night was directed by Charles E. Sellier Jr. Um, screenplay was written by um, Michael Hickey from a short story called Sleigh Ride, which was the working title by Paul Kamey. I know you guys already know this, but uh, you can't not uh, mention it. I was a little uh, surprised when I came to find that the release date for, or the original, original release date was November 9th, 1984, because I'd always heard and thought that it was released a little bit closer to Christmas, and that's what got all those <sighs> mothers upset. I don't even. I don't even. <laughs> well, again, this is something that you can't not talk about, but I'll get to those bitches in a minute. And Siskel and Ebert, they're gonna get a knuckle sandwich. Um. The movie was filmed in, forgive me if I'm pronouncing this incorrectly, Heber City? Heber City? As well as Salt Lake City, Utah. I don't know when, but <laughs> it had a modest budget of just over $1 million. And um, as everybody knows before, it was pulled from theaters because of its depiction of Santa Claus, it briefly, very briefly, um, beat 
A Nightmare on Elm Street. Outgrossed A Nightmare on Elm Street. And, um... This is Billy, I think it... What is he supposed to be, like, six? Or... Eight-ish? Maybe? But one thing that always bugged me... And I say this about everything that I watch because there's probably something that stands out and bugs the hell out of me with every single one of these movies. But one thing that always bugged me is that the little boys and later Robert Brian Wilson, they don't look anything at all like each other. They do not bear the slightest resemblance. I mean, if you're going to get three actors to represent um one character at different stages in their lives at least you know have them resemble one another in some way the little boy that plays billy when he's in the um in the uh orphanage is particular i mean like it's like astounding uh, how he, he he differentiates in uh, physical presence than the other um, than the others. Um, you know, some of this stuff I've I, I mean I watched this. You know, I've shown it because I've whenever I don't do this so much anymore now that I've gotten older. But in my fanboy days, whenever I would like. Start a new relationship or I would make a new acquaintance or a new friend or whatever the case may be. I would always introduce them to my favorite horror movies because, you know, I was a, a hardcore connoisseur of the genre. And so, you know, everybody had to see these movies. Sometimes I would show Silent Night, Deadly Night to people. And I can't say that anybody was ever outraged by it. Um, but there were a couple of people who were like, that's pretty fucked up that they put this little kid in the scene with this crazy old man. Or um, this scene with the, uh, the, uh, the Santa Claus that holds up the liquor store when he kills the parents. Uh, that's kind of terrible that the director put him... I don't think they were even there on the same... They they were... I would bet a million fucking dollars that they were filmed on totally different days. The little boy was probably just being told by the director, all right, act scared. All right, run behind those reeds. Okay, cover your face. Okay, say this line. Day, he doesn't know what's going on. He, I'm sure he probably had no idea what was happening until he actually saw the fucking movie. But <laughs> I always thought that was funny. I mean, like, all you gotta do is just use your head. And there's magic in editing. I thought I always thought that was cute. I'll be good from now on. I promise. Um. They really, really made his lips look cherry. I always wondered if he had, he was wearing lipstick. Because he's, he's got really cherry, cherry red lips. This little boy. And the mother, I don't know if it's because this is a Christmas movie. And I associated with 
Christmas vacation, but the mother always reminded me of Beverly D'Angelo. They don't have a very strong resemblance, but they resemble each other enough. And, um... Some of this dialogue, though, you... About Santa Claus punishing him. Yeah, that was kind of... That, that, that might have fucked him up a little bit. And, yeah, Santa Claus punishing his mother. <laughs> Not so good. But uh, if you notice, though, when he's having the conversation with the grandfather, um... There's always tight, there's tight shots on the little boy's face and the grandfather's face, and it cuts back and forth. So, one or both of the actors are being fed the lines. I don't, I don't doubt that. Um, and this always reminds me of Boogie Nights. I wonder if that was an homage. Um, the, probably because of the, uh, fact that it's a robbery and the clerk gets shot in the head which has been done in other movies but I don't I don't know why but I, I always associate it with Boogie Nights well because it was Christmas there you go because it was Christmas it was <laughs> I'm just I'm learning all kinds of things about myself tonight boy how craziness um I remember when I first got online oh shit i didn't even talk about how i, how I first uh saw the movie um yeah i first saw silent night deadly night on vhs in the big box it was i think it was usa home video um and it had a gold label on the on the vhs i remember that and it was the uncut version um I've never seen a censored version before. I don't know where this censored version exists and why they had to splice. Maybe it was the theatrical version that was cut. Um, I would assume so because the theatrical print was used to manufacture both the, the DVD and the Blu-ray. And they had to splice in footage because they, they being the producers of the, of the, uh, DVDs, there's been a few of them, and, um, speaking of which, though, I'm really glad that I bought the, the Anchor Bay double feature DVD when I did, when it first came out, uh, because it, it, went out of print and was pretty scarce for a while and was quite pricey and I I don't know I don't know why I thought this I guess I didn't know that see look at the way this is all edited together this is all pieced together like a jigsaw puzzle but I I guess I assume that because all right here's okay here's the deal <laughs> I 
I had a dupe of the USA home video version on VHS, and I'd watched it many, 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 many times. And when I got the DVD, I noticed that it was the same thing. And, um, I know that there was a little disclaimer at the beginning of the, of the movie that says something about how they had to use different sources to make uh, the most complete version of the film that they could. Um, so I don't know why a part of me thought that perhaps there was an even longer version, but I did. And so when Anchor Bay reissued the original Silent Night, Deadly Night all on its own a couple years later with full uncut versions splattered all over the cover of the DVD, I was like, oh shit, I have to get this. I mean, this is like mo this is an extended, ver an even more extended version, and not only was it the exact same thing, but it was the exact same menus with the exact same extras, which are none. <laughs> There's like newspaper clippings and shit, which wasn't very interesting. Um, so yeah, I first saw it on VHS with the big box from my mom and pop video store and um I don't remember how old I was I know that I saw it uh, there um I saw it um, probably when I was uh, a pre-adolescent I guess I was I was young. I know that when I first saw it for the first time, it's real. It's rare that I don't remember the first time I saw a movie, especially a horror movie. Um, when I was growing up, because I was so obsessive about these movies, and I have a pretty good memory. So, um. So, yeah, I know there was some space in between the time I saw it for the first time and then when I got my hands on a dupe and watched it on a pretty regular basis. How much time in between, I'm not sure. Um, so yeah, there's that. But yeah, anyway, when I first... When I first got online, back in 2000, there was a lot of speculation about where Robert Brian Wilson was, whatever happened to him. Because uh, he quit acting and kind of disappeared from the scene. And uh, horror movie conventions and things like that weren't huge not they definitely aren't weren't as big as they they are today um but i know that there was i'm taking my glasses off i know that there was a uh people were look looking for him for sure definitely trying to find him for interviews and things like that uh for websites um so there was 
definitely an interest, and there was a lot of speculation as to what happened to him. I heard some stories about how, like, he was a born-again Christian, and he didn't want anything to do with the movie, um, and, uh, he just wanted to put as much distance between, uh, and he supposedly, according to the rumor, the rumor, the rumors that I recall hearing at the time, he didn't have a very good Hollywood experience. And so, yeah, he wanted to, he wanted to put, to put a lot of space between him and his past and just concentrate on the future. Um, I don't know how much of that is true. I would assume. I don't, I don't know. I really have no idea. But all I know is that finally, 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 like a year and a half, two years ago, he surfaced. And he started doing both interviews and conventions. He's 54 at the time of this recording. Or no, I think it's 54. 55, maybe 55, 56, maybe, I don't know, I don't remember when it was, when it was that I heard, because I heard, I listened to an audio recording that he did for a podcast, and I th he was 54 at that time, and I think the podcast was from a year or two ago, so he's like 55, 56 at the time of this recording. And he's, I think, three sons. He's been married 20-something years, 30, maybe 30 years. Uh, he was with, he's with, I believe he's married to the same girl that he was with, that he was dating at the time of this movie. Oh, and this was probably the most interesting thing that I recall about the interview that I listened to. Now... I don't know if it was just a specification that is seen in um, any and all actor contracts, actors who are over the age of 18, obviously, um, for a certain kind of film, but there was a full frontal nudity um, thing. Um, in his contract and he didn't want to do any nudity so according to him, what he said in his interview and he had them take that portion of the contract out um i don't i can't see where they would put a full frontal scene in the movie and he was not a name at the time, so I would assume that if they really, truly did want to include full frontal male nudity in this movie, they would have been like, alright, well, if you don't do it, we're going to find somebody else who will, so I get the fuck off with the set. Um, so, but, um, just like everybody, all the other, you know, all the other horror fanatics for the longest time I wanted to know where the hell he'd been what he'd been up to uh, how, what he'd done over the years and so on and so forth 
To be honest with you, I was kind of disappointed <laughs> because his inter- I, I don't know what the hell I was expecting, but his interview or his personality, I mean, like, he seems very nice, but he came across as so boring. And the stories that he told, with the exception of the full frontal nudity, of course, weren't even all that interesting and he uses the phrase if you will 52,000 times Um, and not only is he boring but he's a little kooky at the same time which you don't come across very often because he was talking about um Toying with the idea of showing up at a convention in a Santa suit and running through the crowd wielding an axe. Or running through the parking lot, one or the other. And they were like, yeah, no, I don't think you should do that. Because you might get shot. Um, So, yeah. And he kept mentioning... Whatever business he's in, um, and he mentioned it several times, and I had no idea what the hell he was talking about. It's some kind of promotional thing or something. Um, I I don't know, but I don't think it's that far outside of the film industry. I don't know what his wife does or what. I know his sons from what he said, are very intelligent and have just graduated from some very prestigious, and you can tell I have it, prestigious universities. Um, I think they're all in their early to mid-twenties at this point because he said he had his first child right before he left the film industry in... uh, early the early 1990s and I didn't even know but he recently I think this or last year appeared in a made for TV movie made for the Lifetime Network Um, I don't know how big his role was but it was directed by David Dakota or and uh, who I'm sure had as big a boner for Robert Bryan as the rest of us did. I didn't just say that. Um. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> yeah, I heard some casting couch stories about David Dakota that I won't get into here. Because allegedly, allegedly... So, yeah, and also he um, he said that his wife in this interview was kind of like the glue that held their family together, and because, well, he referred to himself as a screw loose 
um, which I thought was a little odd. But I'm sure he meant that he has a screws, which I can kind of, which I was able to ascertain by what I picked up on this uh, interview. And there's this uh, Lillian Siobhan, whom he said gave him um, uh, helped him with his scenes. Um, he he said he gave her his per diem to uh, be a, a coach um, on the side of the film because he really wanted to be good for it. And um, now I don't okay. Well, since IMDb cites um, references, this must be true because. They claim that in a 1984, and I never heard this before, I don't think, a 1984 TV Guide interview, he claimed to be ashamed of the movie because of its message and depiction of Santa Claus and so on and so forth. And he didn't really say anything at all about that. In the more recent interview, he didn't seem to have any issues at all with the film except for his performance he said that he wasn't very happy with his performance because he was so inexperienced at the time and there were a lot of things that he wished he could have done better but he didn't say anything at all about you know I was outraged with the depiction of Santa Claus or my depiction of Santa Claus and its effect on children. None of that. None of that stuff. Um, I just... And I'm willing to bet that I'm not alone here, but it was so absurd the controversy that took place around the film when it was first released and the fact that these mothers got together um, and picketed and tried to get the film and successfully got the film pulled after only what a few days in business theaters um, and then uh, Siskel and Ebert you know what? There are certain. <laughs> if you don't like the movie, fine. You know, don't like the movie. But don't go shame, shame, shame on you and list the name of every single producer and the director and say shame on you. You ought to be ashamed of yourself for making such a car. If you don't like the movie, then just don't fucking watch it. And, uh, duh. Um. You're giving the movie that you hate so much and think has such a negative message um, an awful lot of promotion and marketing by featuring it on your show and um, speaking about it in such a way that makes it so much more appealing to an audience that you don't want to see the film. Because what 
you know, makes something more appealing to a kid, then this is bad for you. Don't watch this, you know. Um, <laughs> you will be scarred for a while if you watch this movie. And, um, you know, Siskel and Ebert were notorious for doing this kind of shit in the 80s, as I'm sure everybody knows what they, they did with the Friday the 13th movies was no matter how um, repugnant they thought these films were what they did um, I thought was ten times worse um, I can deal with you know, constructive criticism of a film. If you're going to say you don't like it, at least critique it in an intelligent fashion. Not just say, uh, this is so outrageous and this is so offensive and the people who made it should rot in hell. You know, these are like supposed to be film historians. And they can't come up with any, like, better adjectives and garbage and shit like that. It, it's just absurd. And that's always the way it's been um, in the horror industry. Uh, especially since the slasher movement of the early 1980s. And <clears throat> so many people thought that these movies were misogynistic and uh i think it was i don't remember if it was for it was they showed the clip a clip of it on uh in the going to pieces documentary uh a, a piece of a review that um Cisco and Ebert did way back when i think it might have been for silent night deadly night where they said that these movies were um in response to the women's liberation movement and they were meant to tell women to get back in their place and you know that they belonged barefoot and pregnant and because women were having careers and being as successful if not more successful than some of the men of their generation uh, the male producers who were putting these films together were not comfortable with that and so they didn't they didn't want them to they didn't want them to make it through the film but then again that doesn't even make any sense because a lot of the time with some exceptions most of the time the victims were teenage they weren't grown women these weren't like 40 year old women with jobs and corp they weren't corporate executives they were dopey teenage girls so yeah that's why they were easy targets and you gotta make the targets easy for the killer I should write a book on this shit <laughs> I've actually been accused of being misogynistic. In, not in real life. I don't 
hate anybody, but in real, in, in my in my writing, I should have I should say, I've I've gotten some, not many, but I've gotten a few reviews uh, that claimed uh, my my uh, my writing was misogynistic. Um, one review I remember, I think it was Dread Central said that I appear to hate men as much as I hate women. <laughs> Which I found funny. I found pretty funny. Um, and mm, there's just like so much there's so much that when you put so much that you put out there in any form of medium whether it is film, literature, music, whatever, that people are, are going to interpret however they like and see things that aren't there or that the uh, artist or writer or director didn't intend on Im, uh, implicating. And... Um, that has happened with a few of my books where I've read reviews and I thought to myself, where did you get that from? Are you sure you read the same book? Pretty sure it doesn't say that anywhere. Um, I always think of this really... I, I think it was the same. Well, she, this person, and I won't say I won't cite the uh, reviewer. It's one of the stupidest reviews I ever got, and I don't respond to reviews because um, <clears throat> it's unprofessional and and it's uh, immature at the same time. So I let I I let shit. You know, try, I, if they're sometimes I laugh too, especially if they're particularly um, nasty. Uh, I think it's funny um, that their pe people are so impassioned uh, and violated by something that I wrote that they had to write something so nasty in response. But no, for and this is not. A plug, at least not an intentional one, but I have a short story collection called Decayed Etchings that was originally published in 2011, reprinted a few years later. And anyway, when it was first published, there was this certain website that shall remain nameless who reviewed the book and <laughs> found it quite offensive and some of it some of the stories in there are supposed to be quirky and weird and um yeah, a little off the wall. Um, 
there's one story in particular uh, that uh, concerns uh, a, a widower who is having a little too much trouble, a, li a little too much difficulty with the passing of his wife, and he's unwilling to let her go. And uh, the way the story ends is uh, the woman that he ends up dating a year or so after his wife's passing, she comes to find that he wants to wear his wife's wedding dress while they're having sex. And <laughs> the, um, the reviewer, this reviewer said it was, it was, it was judgmental. I made, I was judgmental for uh, 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 passing judgment against cross-dressers or drag queens or trans the transgendered community okay um but in particular there was one story called cat call and it concerned a police officer well it concerned a set of parents who discovered that their teenage son was gay and the the mother was having a difficult time with it the father was a little more understanding um a little more um progressive and was trying to convince his wife you know if you try to stop him or try to prevent him from living the lifestyle in which he has been born into, then you're just going to drive him away, and um, he comes to encounter a little boy who is clearly homosexual, and the little boy has lost his cat, and because his son is going through what his son is going through, he knows that there's a chance that this little boy could possibly go through the same thing. So he wants to at least get this cat down from the tree for this little boy. Um, so that he could make this part of his life easier. This moment easier. And in the review, this girl, she really tore me a new one. Talking about how I was... <laughs> homophobic. <laughs> And um, how the the lead character was homophobic, and um, <laughs> anybody who knows me, um, yeah, that's kind of um, nonsensical. And I wanted to, I wanted so desperately to send this girl an email, and be like, you stupid bitch. Did you read? <laughs> I don't know how you got this job, but you clearly didn't read. Oh God! But yeah, it's the it's these kinds of things that upset me when it comes to art, any kind of art, because any kind of art is open to any kind of interpretation, and sometimes the interpretation can be either so off. Or so extreme uh, that whoever is 
um, interpreting it goes to the um, goes to the lengths of trying to get it outlawed or outlawed that's I don't even think that's possible but trying to get it abolished or uh, halt distribution or in this case pull it from theaters and things like that and but I always found I always found it laughable. The, this actor here, I can't remember his name right now, but he was in a Butcher Baker Nightmare Maker, which I reviewed not that long ago. But I always enjoyed him. He supposedly retired from acting. So I don't even know if he's still alive. But I always loved his scene in Weird Science when he's uh, Anthony Michael Hall's dad, That's, and um, Kelly LeBrock's scene with him I think it's like one of the funniest scenes in the movie um and um they're gonna fucking sing it makes me wonder I know I can't I can't remember exactly what it is but I know there's at least one traditional Christmas song in this movie the rest seem like they were written specifically for the movie because they couldn't get the rights to like Oh Holy Night or whatever um I personally can't stand Christmas music and I think Christmas albums are so cheesy and hokey and corny how many fucking times does somebody need to record the same goddamn song? I mean, how many di di different interpretations do you need to hear of Silent Night or Jingle Bells or whatever? I mean, come on. It's a little, it's a little redundant now, I think. Um, but some of the songs are like hundreds and... Well, Happy Birthday to me is really... Or to you. <laughs> happy Birthday to you is a very, very expensive... I think it's like 10 grand to get... If you want to use it in a movie or a TV show or something like that. Um, I don't know how much... And here we have an attempted rape. I don't know how much some of these Christmas songs are, but I, if Happy Birthday to You is that expensive, I would assume that Jingle Bells is a pretty penny. Um, as always, as I always say, you know, and you know, I, I always, I, I want to, I want to say this first before I get to what I was going to say a moment ago, but I wonder what would have happened after, well, you could, he's coming, he's coming unglued, because he's envisioning what happened, but I wonder what would have happened if Pamela, the character of Pamela, had 
I've just been like, thank you, Billy. Um, appreciate you saving me from being raped. So I'm gonna walk away now and cover my titties. But she hits him and uh, he, he kills her. And then goes on a spree and kills Mr. Sims and whoever that other woman was. Um, before he goes after Lily and Siobhan. Speaking of characters or actors that don't look like the, um, the characters in different stages of their lives, the woman who's supposed to play the Lily and Siobhan character in Silent Night, Deadly Night Part 2 again wow not even remotely close amazingly different in appearance but now I forgot what I was going to say before oh um, yeah, as I, I always say that I don't want to rehash stuff that's on IMDb, but they, they list in the trivia section something that I always myself had wondered, and that is why these women, these mothers that were so offended by the movie didn't go after Christmas Evil. Um, which is not even really, it's not even really, it's not a slasher movie, you know that, but it's kind of really not a Killer Santa movie, um, it's a little, um, uh, uh, and it was called You Better Watch Out, but then they changed the title to Christmas Evil and put Killer Santas all over the poster and shit to try to market it. They really went out of their way to market, which is ironic because they went out of their way to market it as something that it wasn't. And it drew no attention. I don't even think it really did very well at the box office. Um... I think it garnered more of a following on home video because of the misleading artwork. I remember watching it and thinking, okay, I was expecting this to be Silent Night, Deadly Night-esque, but it's really not. And the same can be said for the opening segment in the British Tales from the Crypt movie from the 70s which featured a killer santa and i think it was a i think it was a john collins in this thing. i haven't seen that in oh my god a million years and you got to give hbo um bowls because they uh they're their pilot episode of um, of their Tales from the Crypt series was the And All Through the House episode which featured Larry Drake as a demented killer Santa 
Um, and that was like 1989, 88, 89, and they, I'm sure, were well aware of all of the outrage that Silent Night, Deadly Night had caused just a few years before, yet they went ahead and they did a much more extreme version, a much scarier version of A Killer Santa. I would be a hell of a lot more scared, and I'm sure I was, of Larry Drake, well, as he was portrayed in that movie, in that episode, rather, fucking coming down my chimney, than it would be Billy, um, because what's underneath that Santa suit is, um, is uh, kind of nice. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'm making all kinds of connections, y'all. Um, <clears throat> did anybody else, I'm sure you guys notice, it didn't come up yet, but the scene where he go the Lene Quigley scene. Oh, I'm gonna get to that in a second too. But in the Lene Quigley scene, when they cut that into Silent Night, Deadly Night Two, um, after the boyfriend finds her impaled on the antlers, and he goes to call the police, they dubbed. He calls the operator, and. Um, in part two, they dub in a voice saying, please hang up and dial 911. That's not in this movie. I wonder why they did that. Because people were still fucking dialing zero to get the police, even though 911 had been around. I don't know exactly when 911 came out, or came out, yeah. 911 was introduced, I believe it was in the early 80s something along those lines but when you watch horror movies like throughout even throughout the like fucking 90s people were still trying to um call the police by dialing the operator instead of just dialing 911 doesn't everywhere have 911 because it's an emergency but for some reason they think that dialing the local police would be a better idea i don't i don't know but speaking of Linnea Quigley, it's always said, um, because it's, there's there is some criticism, and I and I will agree on this because her nude scene is very <laughs> gratuitous, and um, they say because, she opens the fucking door when she's looking for the cat. She opens the door, titties bouncing, calling attention to herself by calling the cat, um, and she's um, completely exposed. And um, but then the producers or the director, somebody I don't remember what it was. I heard that like an interview with the director or something for I think it was on the Anchor Bay disc, if I'm not mistaken. 
It was on something where he said, "Oh, um, or maybe it was the commentary for Silent 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 Night Deadly Night 2. But they were like, "Yeah, she had to be topless um, because um, they had to show the antlers going through her." Okay, first of all, the antlers go through her abdomen. And second of all, the antlers would have been just as easily visible had she been wearing a bra. So, yeah, I don't buy that. It was, that was clearly an excuse to show some boobage. Just admit it. But I'm okay with the, Linnea was okay with the, Linnea was obviously okay with it because she showed them titties. Oh, and Robert Brian Wilson said something because uh, she was going to be at the con at this convention that he was um, he was going to be appearing at in support of some Silent Night Deadly Night revival or reunion or something like that. And he said something along the lines of, "I wonder if I'll recognize her with her top on or something, something like." That. Some kind of cheesy line like that. Her hair, oh my god, that hair is so fucking 80s. I remember Neighbors as a, as a kid. Neighbors um, with that hair. Housewives. What the fucking ridiculous. I don't even, even know what it's called. Oh. I feel bad for this little girl. Back to our study. I remember watching this with um somebody uh ex and during after Linnea well okay, first of all, I wanna say this too. I'm picking this shit apart. I'm do I I'm so hypocritical because I I always say don't watch these movies with an overanalytical eye, and then I go and pick shit apart. But there are there are some there there are oftentimes things that don't make any sense. So of course I'm going to address them. But what I was going to say initially was. I, I was watching this with an ex, and after Linnea is killed and the boyfriend is killed, um, and Billy comes face to face with the little girl, um, and he asks if she's been good, my ex went dead quiet. Um, and he was like really watching that scene because. I could tell he thought that he was going to kill this little girl. And if he would have killed that little girl, that would have been something that I would have... I don't... Huh. I don't know how offended I would be, but I have issues with, of course, violence. I can't deal with violence towards children, violence towards animals, and violence towards the elderly. I can't. That those are lines that I just can't cross, and it's not because I'm offended. It's just because it's it's too disturbing for me. I can't I can't um, sit through it. Um, what was I gonna say? 
Oh, um, it's funny too because after Billy leaves, um, you hear the little girl going, Denise, Denise, when she's hanging right there. How does she not see her? And uh, in the in the commentary for um, for uh, part two, I think it was when they ask. I think some the moderator, I believe, the moderator of the commentary asks if it was intentional for Billy to rip Tommy's shirt off before throwing him out the window if it was in the script and they said yeah and I don't buy that because that doesn't make any sense why would you rip his fucking shirt off and then throw him out the window I think I think Robert Brian Wilson just got a little too zealous or the they couldn't afford halfway decent clothing and how the fuck did he not hear what the hell was going on That ba there was no door in that basement it was all open. He didn't hear her screaming her head off. The music was not that loud. Don't bullshit me. Don't insult my intelligence. Um. I had always been curious. I don't even know where if it's if it was ever even. I. I remember the origins of the short story that this was based on the okay? sleigh ride story I remember reading or hearing an interview that chronicles the origins of the story and um, I don't remember if it was ever published or if it was just presented to the produ producers um, or what but I, I wonder if, if it's available to read anywhere because I think that would really be interesting. Um, but I do recall, I think the director said that the story was really bad and really poorly written. And so they had to make a lot of change. I think the, the author, Paul Kamey, was like, in college or fresh out of college so he probably didn't have a whole lot of uh, writing experience so um, the work was probably lackluster but nevertheless I would be interested in, interested in, t in s knowing how the story evolved and became what Silent Night, Deadly Night is today. Should I talk about the remake? I wasn't going to because I really didn't... I didn't care too much for it. Because I... Eh, I really am not a fan... Well, I'm not really a fan of remakes in general, but I'm really not a fan of remakes that purposely try to cash in on the original film um, with a title and just like use the same title, make a completely different story um, and uh, try to bring in a new audience 
or real in the old audience um, with a familiar ti familiar title. Uh, I try really, really hard to keep my South Philly accent out of these commentaries, and I don't know how well I succeed. I'm getting really raspy, but I don't want to... Do I want to drink some water? Because then I'll start peeing. But, um... No, I wasn't all that keen on the uh, reimagining. Um, I don't think you can say reboot unless it's followed by, if, unless it reboots the franchise. And so many of these, um, where the hell's my water? So many of, so few of these, um, of these remakes actually do reboot the franchise because they're rarely well received and so a sequel is not really the only time um the only ones that I could think of oh I sit for my water bottle huh Why, they should have just made a little girl scream instead of calling for Denise. I think that would have been more believable. But the only times that I can think of the um, remakes uh, spawning a sequel were in the case of Halloween started on that shot because I listened to because <laughs> I'm, I'm going to post the uh, well I'm sure by the time this is up strange land will be up but I was uh, I'm getting ready because it's not really Christmas Eve Shh. And it's not anywhere well it, we're in November but um, I listened to my uh, commentary for Strangeland and I really kind of go off on on Halloween Rob Zombie's Halloween but anytime I think that and nonsense and Texas Chainsaw Massacre which spawned a prequel are the only two that I could well wasn't there Dawn of the Dead a Dawn of the Dead or something like that another Dawn of the Dead I don't know I don't watch zombie movies oh the hills have eyes they did another hills have eyes I know that but it's rare because yeah they're not really well received and for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, Halloween was well received. Probably the same people who voted for Trump. Um, and so they decided to um, they decided to do a sequel, which was not well received. So. Uh, 
any plans that uh, Rob Zombie had for doing a third Halloween, which I know he did, were, were scrapped. Um, I was I went off on a tangent there, as I so often do. Um, but the only thing that I liked about, or the only aspect that I liked uh, with regard to the Silent and Deadly Night remake was Donald Loke's character. I like him as a comedian. I think he's really funny. And I really liked uh, the sitcom that he was on, Grounded for Life. And he was really, really funny as the... Was he a drunk? Um, or was he just a dick? He was one or the other. Or both. Um, but he, you could tell he had, he had a lot of fun playing that role. And I just remember him making nasty remarks when he's in the, in the jail cell and shit like that. And, um, I, I thought his character was, this guy, the, the lead bully here, I don't know where the fuck they found this guy, but his voice is ridiculous. Um... Now get out of here. Where the fuck did this... Where did he get that boy? Makes me feel a lot, com a lot better about mine. Um, so... So yeah, there's the hat. And um... Hey, what if I hit a tree? What if I hit a tree? Fucking dipshits. Uh, there's also something that I was perusing on, um, on IMDb, brain fart, IMDb, where they said that the Paul Kamey sleigh ride story was incorporated in Ernest Saves Christmas. Because there was a Santa character that was in a horror movie called Christmas Sleigh. What? I don't. I don't see the correlation. I mean, there's a lot of, you know. There's a lot of, uh. There's a lot of Christmas themed horror movies and stories that think they're being original by um, spelling Soleil, S-L-E-I-G-H, um, as, as in going sledding with the sleigh, um, and as Soleil, S-L-A-Y, as in to slaughter. Um, <clears throat> So, yeah, but I don't understand, I don't understand the correlation there, um, because there was a guy, I haven't seen Ernest Saves Christmas in a million years, all I remember is there was that magic sack that had all the toys in it, and that bitch steals it, um, I was actually watching Ernest, Ernest Scared Stupid recently, in commemoration of Halloween. I was watching it with my nieces. I'm sorry, I must have 
fall asleep. Oh, poor arm. Poor Jim, poor Jim Barney. R.I.P. It's funny because a lot of the time in these in these slasher movies, the killers they go on murder sprees and they end up killing more people throughout the course of 24 to 48 hours than serial actual real life serial killers do throughout their lifetime. Yeah, because like you'll hear a lot of the time, I don't, it's rare that you hear uh, a real a real life killer um, get to more than a dozen or so people before he's actually caught. And then in these movies, and that's like, it took them like 20 years to catch him. Um, Are you listening? It took them what? Like, how many years did it take them to catch uh, John Wayne Gacy? He killed like 18 people or something like that. Or am I thinking of Jeffrey Dahmer? I think Jeffrey Dahmer killed 18 people. Um, and it took them several years before they they got him. Um. And for the record, the body count in this movie is silent and dead. In this movie is... I'm getting slapped at this. For the record, the body count in Silent Night, Deadly Night is 13. But I don't... I would assume that includes the parents in the beginning, the store clerk, those people... Um, you know what, I all, I didn't, I don't know, I guess this was recently added because I don't remember it being there before, but on, on that IMDb trivia page, they added something about Mickey Rooney because, um, I had always thought, what a fucking hypocrite because he was one of the celebrities or one of the public figures, rather, because I don't think he was a celebrity in 1984. Um, he was one of the public figures who really lobbied against the release of Silent Night, Deadly Night way back when and had a lot of really, really nasty things to say about the movie and then went on to do Silent Night, Deadly Night 5 just six years later. Um, but, um, they, well, I don't think this is true, but they said, what, there's a, a bit of trivia that says that there's a possibility that, 
um, Silent Night, Deadly Night 5 was shot as the toy maker, uh, which is the subtitle, and Mickey Rooney didn't know that he was doing a Silent Night, Deadly Night movie. Um, but I don't think that's true because they they did Silent Night, Deadly Night 4 kind of back to back and it's with the same producers and um, the lead girl that's in part 4 has a role in part 5 as does um, I was getting ready to say Clint Eastwood Clint Howard so um and Clint Howard looked really fucking scary in that Santa suit even though he didn't even have the whole beard and shit he was just fucking well Clint Howard is just scary as it is but um unless they they being who did those movies Brian Yuzna Yuzna I don't know, I really don't even pay that much attention because I'm not really all that big on parts four and five. Part four in particular because it's just a little too weird. Five is okay. Um, although there are some parts that are a little, a little nasty um, and grisly. Um, like uh, the kid with the foul mouth and the rollerblades, um, and the uh, that that toy worm um, going in the guy's mouth while he's driving the car and it goes through his eyeballs and shit. That shit was fucked up. But I think it was even more fucked up. There was even more fucked up shit in part four. Um. I don't know. I sh wonder if it's possible that I don't know. I'm trying to think if there would be a way for them, the producers or the or the distributors, to because I'm pretty sure that Silent Deadly Night Four is released just as initiation in certain territories. I don't know. And, um, I remember part four and part five being released very, very close together. Very close together. So they were either shot back to back or around the same time. I remember that little boy from Bar 5 being in, um, was he in, uh, Demonic Toys? And, um, then I don't remember him being in anything else. But, uh, I also remember I was like 8 or 9. 
How old was I? No, I must have been about 10-ish. 10-ish. When, uh, when part 5 came out. And I remember, I remember the box art. Um, with the little boy and all the evil um, toys. Sitting by all the evil toys. And that's the, that's the thing that bugs me about the, um, the box set. Is you, you don't get all the artwork for parts three parts three oh god speaking of which for the longest fucking time for part three i don't know what is wrong with me or what was wrong with me but for the longest fucking time whenever i would see the vhs box for part three i thought the girl, I can't remember her name, the lead girl in the movie, who I always thought looked exactly like Jennifer Connelly. When she, the shot of her looking out the window with the icicles dripping, I always thought that was slime. I have no idea why, but it's not even green. But as, as a little kid, I was like, ooh, she's looking in a window and there's slime. But yeah, what I was going to say is the, uh, with the box set, you, you don't get, you don't get all the artwork, which is kind of sad. Even though there's nothing really all that spectacular about the artwork for part four, it's just a Christmas tree and a knife. What's so special about that? Oh, you know what else I was going to mention, too? I can't think of anything... Not even just anything recent, but like any movie over the past 20 years or so that caused anywhere near as much outrage as Silent Night, Deadly Night did when it, when it first came out. Because this was... I mean, times uh, were different, I mean, like, in the 90s than they were in the 80s, but they weren't so dramatically different that people's sensibilities had changed so drastically and they weren't affected, as affected or offended by the same things. Um, but... And I'm barely even talking about the movie. I always fucking do this. Um, what was I going to say? Yeah, um, I can, I, I mean, I can list off, you know, movies that were controversial, um, like, you know, because, um, they had, uh, well, like, for example, like, the Blair Witch Project, because so many idiots thought it was... But in, in in all fairness, though, um, people, it does, the actors do come across as very authentic, and I think that, I don't know why I'm going to go off on the Blair Witch Project right now, but I am. 
But I do think that a lot of it came off as real because they were really in those woods for what was it? How many days? I don't know. And you would think that, you, you know, you really would be going a little crazy. And I think that um, the way they were reacted towards one another um, in their fighting against them uh, over the map and shit like that um, was because they were so miserable because they were stuck in the fucking woods for all all these all this time and um, yeah they didn't have they didn't have a, a whole lot of trouble when it came to either bitterness or horror because uh, of all that they've been through so I could see why people thought it was real but at the same time the actors were doing talk show appearances and shit so but yeah certainly there were movies that were controversial but I don't recall any that were um, so controversial that they caused such an uproar and there were attempts on getting the film banned. They tried to make this transition you're about to see in a second with the little boy um, that's supposed to be his brother um, in part two they try to make the transition from the trail of the axe up to the little boy standing there seamless but it doesn't come across that way because it's different it's pretty sure it's different film stock and it's a different little boy so you know they do it again I remember, and that axe, that that handle on that axe, I think they must have had that special made because that doesn't look, it doesn't look like a real axe handle to me. I remember the first time I held in like a real axe in a, I think it was a Walmart or something. It's like I'm not. There was a row of axes, and I think I incorporate. Yeah, I incorporated that into my novel, uh, Payphone. But I was surprised at how heavy it was. Because I'd never... Because you always see people wielding axes in our movies. So you think, you know, they're weightless. But, um, yeah, axes are heavy. And I think a lot of it has to do with the blade. But we are rolling credits on Silent Night, Deadly Night. So we are at the end of another exciting and fantabulous episode of... Um, B-movie bonanza and some fuckhead I just realized today gave me a dislike for my Eyes of a Stranger episode and whoever you are you can suck it because I love Eyes of a Stranger I'm not sure how good the episode is but don't be a prick <laughs> get slap happy um so yeah um Please don't forget to visit the B Movie Bonanza website or blog 
at bfmovies.blogspot.com, as well as my personal blog, writer Brandon Ford at blogspot.com. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Ford, all one word. Uh, uh, Add me to your Facebook page, um, facebook.com forward slash writer Brandon Ford. And leave me some comments, please. It's really pitiful that I have to beg you guys. <laughs> it's pathetic. Leave me some comments, leave me some likes. Um, check me out on Vimeo, too. I don't know what my Vimeo thing is, because I'm, I'm still not 100% sure on how Vimeo works, despite the fact that I've been using it for several months. But, yeah, you can, you can check out the episodes on Vimeo, too. And of course, most importantly, don't forget to go to Amazon.com and check out my books. Um, just go to the drop down, select books, type in Brandon Ford and my titles, some of my titles, as well as my um, author page will come up. So you can check out some of my stuff and I'm still talking long after the titles have ended. So I guess time for Brandon to say goodnight so thank you guys for listening and have a merry 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 Christmas